This week on Monero Talk is sponsored by Monero.com Wallet. Store, send, receive, and exchange your Monero safely on iOS and Android too. Monero.com Wallet is open source and you always control your own keys. And by IVPN. Resist online surveillance with IVPN, a privacy-focused audited and transparent VPN provider that accepts Monero directly. Monero.com Wallet and IVPN are trusted and verified by the Monero community. Monero Talk is also made possible from contributions by viewers and listeners like you. And supporting us is easier than ever by typing in our YAT free speech money into your Monero.com or Cake Wallet send address field to send us a tip. This week on Monero Talk. Doug and I headed off to Lisbon for MoneroCon 2022. In short, we had an amazing time. Lisbon was fantastic, especially when we were enjoying it with Monero-loving folk. The Conferenco was a blast and felt very fresh even just coming off of our Monerotopia conference, mostly because we got to meet so many Monero folk that never attended any of the stateside events. We emceed all day Saturday, helped keep the conference running, attempted to do our gratuitous coffee despite our coffee luggage arriving late and not providing our Monero roaster friend enough time to figure it out, did a live Monerotopia episode with some big names, on Sunday, we were able to focus on grabbing some Monero Talk interviews. Our only regret is not having more of these long-form convos, but we hope to reach out to the speakers we missed to interview them another time. In conclusion, the Monero community is strong and passionately focused on the mission of providing the world an unstoppable digital cash utility. The special edition of Monero Talk starts now. All right, day two of MoneroCon. How you guys doing? Good. Thank you, Doug. Excellent. Thanks. All right, yeah, yeah, you guys look like you're holding up pretty well. You look like you're holding up pretty well. So um, yesterday you gave one of the uh, one of the one of the main talks. Um, actually, was it one of the talks? Was it the lightning round? Was that was that part of the lightning round? No, it was in the beginning. It was um, it was the forty minute talk about research of I two P and uh, its relation to Monero swaps involving DeFi exchange. That was the talk in the beginning. Um, yeah, and so I guess getting right to the point, what is the relationship between I2P and Monero from from your perspective? I get you guys are trying to analyze I2P, see, uh, discover or see if there's any potential insecurities, and then the argument being if if there are, that may also then apply to Monero. Uh, not exactly. We um, are interested in using uh, I2P as a uh, as a means of obfuscating the uh, the existence of a Monero node, the traffic produced by a Monero node, um, and properties of a Monero node that might be enhanced by a network privacy tool like I2P. Our main strength is obfuscating things like location metadata um, and stripping out identifying information from your internet traffic, and we'd like to uh, use that to enhance certain aspects of Monero. Oh, okay. Because my understanding too is you guys are looking at the, the the tech itself of I2P and trying to just research and see if there's any potential uh, you know flaws or you know weaknesses that that may be concerning, and then extrapolating that and saying that you know that could then also potentially apply to the cryptography and things that underlie Monero. Yeah, but there are multiple layers. So there is the I2P development team and they're developing I2P. And we as researchers, and maybe you want to ask that Marco, is 
he was investigating how secure is I2P. And since then, over the I2P network, um, cryptocurrency transactions will be performed. It's key that I2P is researched and that key that I2P is secure. So the follow-up question would be would be to Marco, what is what has he been investigating or researching on on I2P? This is what I'm trying to get at. So we so we got to go to Marco. Marco. <laughs> yes, uh, I was researching about how easy or how hard it is to anonymize a target, like how to figure out the IP address of a, a client inside I2P network. And from what I figured out from the research is that it's quite resistant against most attacks because there already was a lot of development and research in the I2P community. But there still are some high complex attacks where it is possible to denialize uh, a target. There maybe have to be a really high collective from attacker or a state level actor for achieving such attacks. But we figured also out some mitigation who makes it harder for an attacker to uh, execute such an attack. For example, uh, variable tunnel length is one of the mitigation. I figured out in research who can it make harder for an attacker because it boils down to that it's really hard for an attacker to figure out where he is in the chain from how I2P works. And if you have a variable tunnel length, it even makes it harder for an attacker. So for example, default tunnel length in I2P is three hops. And if you make a uh, variable for like three or four hops, it might be harder for an attacker to figure out where he is inside the tunnel. That's maybe the core of the research. Okay. And did you partake in this research as well? Uh, hi, I'm Zab. I'm actually one of the developers of I2P. I only had one video conference with these guys where we discussed their attacks so I'm more on the nuts and bolts of I2P the layer under the transport layer that's gonna go under Diva Exchange and under, I2P, under Monero. How does Diva Exchange tie into all this? Diva Exchange wants to offer a fully private swap for cryptocurrencies and here you have interfaces to the real well to the real world and here we use Monero as an entry point and once you have used Monero as an entry point you can swap using I2P to other cryptocurrencies to Bitcoin and back to Monero to Ethereum and back to to Monero or between Bitcoin and Ethereum just as an example and that's what we're working on and that's why I2P is that key because if you're looking at atomic swaps, which is far cost, which is a great approach, but still the Bitcoin side or the Ethereum side with other atomic swaps is not private. And I2P, I2P is making is making it possible that we can exchange digital values in a more private way than just with just with atomic swaps. And that's why Diva Exchange exists. Mm. One, one more thing. What's really important is it's completely non-profit because there is no central business model in any distributed in any distributed world in any distributed model. Same as Monero. Right, but so, so then what? What's funding it? I mean, Monero, you know, it's bootstrapped by by the coin itself. So what's the incentive here? What's what's funding? What's the the business model? The 
incentive of running an I2P node and running then a Diva exchange node, which is a Byzantine fault tolerance blockchain on top without coin, the, the, the incentive there is that you keep the fee as a single individual. So if IDK is running an I2P node and a Diva exchange node, he will keep his fees which are done on his, uh, on his node. And that's the first time where a fully not the first time, but it's important to understand that here a fully distributed model is really the fees are going back to the people which are driving the nodes and not to some central unit. So the people which are running a node are keeping the fees of the exchange. Okay, any comments there? Just that that's very cool. <laughs> Just that that's very cool. Um, like Zab, I'm more into the nuts and bolts of the actual uh, I2P router rather than in the uh, rather than in the Diva Exchange world. So uh, we, I actually didn't know a whole lot about um, what they did until they appeared on the radar on Reddit, uh, and I, I actually didn't know that until uh, Conrad explained it to us. So that's uh, that's really cool. I just I, that's remarkable. How long have you guys been working on this? Make sure everybody talks close into the mic too, otherwise. We're wasting our time here. Nobody's going to hear that. Well, um, I2P has an, has an age of 20 years, and the code base is very proven, and that's thanks to the great commitment of the I2P development community. And I believe that's extremely important to say here. And Devo Exchange itself, we're developing our codes, code base since two years. So we're young <laughs> compared to the majority or to, to, the, to the richness of, of I2P. Um, but we're doing this since two years, and Marco has been uh, doing his research now since six months together with his colleague Brian. And before that, with Swiss universities, there have been three other research projects focusing in in the area of, of I2P. So we're and it's it's an ongoing process. We're in the middle of it. We're not we're not at the beginning. We're not at the end. We're far away, but we're in the middle of the film. <laughs> The never-ending story, I hope not. Um, okay, so, so is this the first thinking of trying to use I2P for the purposes of uh, essentially swapping between coins? Is this the first time this, is, this has been explored, or is this kind of an old idea that's been, been tossed around? So there used to be uh, an effort from a few years ago in the I2P community. In the Monero community, some people will be familiar with it called Covery that for various reasons uh, didn't work out. But the idea there was to provide just um, anonymization of the IP address of the Monero node and just hide the Monero node activities, not so much swapping coins. Uh, then uh, another effort called ITP0 by a guy called Knatz, again, Monero people will be familiar with him, started uh, a project called ITP0, uh, which is still alive, I think. And we've adopted the the main main line I2P distribution has adopted some ideas from it. So it's uh, it's been going on for a while with you know ups and downs, but it's 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 coming together now. Yeah, I guess say this is the first time I heard about it, or yesterday uh, introducing this concept of potentially using I2P for swapping between coins. Can you guys go into a little bit more on on how that would technically work? I, uh, really, I don't. Um, I, I think the folks implementing the actual swap would probably be better to answer the question. 
Um, but ultimately, uh, I2P kind of just provides abstractions that are supposed to work more or less like uh, more or less like IP. So, uh, and then on top of that, streaming and datagrams. And so, uh, you can more or less map regular networking technologies onto uh, onto I2P with uh, relatively little effort. Um, so it, it, it's it's probably just the same as uh, Farcaster, just using I2P transports. And I'm yeah, well, we're a bit different than Farcaster, but what's really really important is without I2P, the underlying technology which gives privacy regarding sender and recipient of data through the tunnels, um, a whole uh, swapping of cryptocurrencies between nodes would be totally impossible. Well, you ask the question, how does it work? So you have on one side of the tunnel of an I2P, you have node A and you have node B on another side and, 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 uh, and the transactions need to go to, through these tunnels. And that's exactly the job of I2P. There, the data travels through. And that's giving privacy to node A and it gives privacy to node B. Once we implement this properly, and that's what the prototype, by the way, is already working, we have many nodes in the network which do not trust each other, which do not know each other, but which can properly communicate over the Devo Exchange blockchain, which has no coin, which is PBFT, so Byzantine fault tolerance based, and which is fully I2P driven. So we have a network in, it, in the network which is totally private. Mm. Sounds a little too good to be true, though. Yes, that's, that's, that's true. It sounds too good to be true. I believe the code should talk. I2P has an age of, two, of 20 years. Diva has an age of two years. Please, developers, look at the code. Criticize us. Be skeptical, as the Monero community always was. Be very skeptical. Do research. Do your own stuff. And criticize us. I'm super open to that. Cool. Very exciting. So what, what does the timeline look like, then, for potentially getting this up and working? Um, the timeline, we don't publish any milestones or any timeline. We go as we as we go forward and if somebody wants to help and jump in, cool. Um, but there is like what I experienced in the last two years with I2P, they have more or less once a quarter release cycle, even monthly sometimes. But I'm very, very happy since almost a decade with, with their reliability. And at Diva, we try to be to reach the same kind of reliability as those guys here, which is really impressive, which is really impressive. <laughs> are you guys, are you guys, is, is anybody that's working on this funded in any way or it's just all essentially uh, volunteer work and just committing free, free and open source, you know, building free and open source software? It is 100% volunteer. There is no business entity, no official entity of any kind. And we do not accept donations, believe it or not. Wow, why is that? Just don't want to be influenced in any way? That is the main reason. There were also some logistical reasons, like uh, people living in the EU, if you accept donations, you will automatically have to be registered as a business. We don't want, to, we don't want any of that, those strings. We don't want any of that overhead, really. Any idea as to how many people are contributing to, to I2P? 
I would say a regular basis is in like every day there would be like three, four. But there's always people just coming and saying, oh, I, I want to fix this little thing, tweak it here and there and open a pull request and we review it and submit it. So over the years, it's been a lot of people, um, most of them anonymous. And I've, I don't even know IDK's real name, I think. <laughs> and uh, it, you know, it's been plus and minuses. We had, we've had, we've gone through periods where an anonymous, completely anonymous developer was driving the project for a long time, and then one day just disappeared with the domain name and all the keys and everything, and we were in big trouble. That was 13 years ago. It took a while to recover. Oh wow! So where does I2P currently stand with regard, you know, you know uh, versus let's say Tor? I know the two different things, but can you give us any insight there of Tor versus I2P and what the current state of those two different technologies are? So in some ways it's uh, they're similar, but Tor has a different mission. Their main objective is to enable anonymous browsing of the internet. And they really well, do a really good job at that. Uh, I2P, however, is more of a generic, kind of its own uh, crypto private space that supports generic uh, transfer of information. And we're good at that. So we, even though there is some overlap, it's not that much. And we, we do solve kind of a different problems. Yeah, I uh, can completely agree with that. It's like there are two different spaces. And they also work on a technology level on different uh, aspects. Like one of the main differences is that I2P tries to be as decentralized and distributed as possible, while Tor Network mainly is in that regard as decentralized and distributed as needed. So there are like some differences where I2P tries to be go a step further. For example, in civil analysis, for a civil analysis attack, their ITP tries to be completely decentralized of this, so like every router is doing its own analysis if there is a civil attack happening, while other in Tor is like a centralized, or like a central kind of uh, governance stuff who is uh, doing the analysis work. So both have pros and cons, and there are different aspects on Tor and I2P. Very cool, very cool. Uh, now, you, I don't want to rehash this too much, but you had made, I believe you had made a comment yesterday. You said, you know, if we, could, if we see potential exploits in I2P, we may be able to uh, learn more about Monero itself in terms of how it could potentially be exploited, right? Am I, am I mincing words there or the, those comments were made, right? I'm just trying to understand deeper what, what was meant by that. Let's, uh, my personal view on that, without being um, far away from, from an expert, but if you, if you look at crypto, if you looked at cryptography concepts, then I2P has a very strong cryptography well implemented in their code and the way and the way th their network is working is important to researchers and if they understand if they understand how the network is working the researchers of i2p they might also learn a lot 
how the Monero um, uh, network is working and whether it might be broken. I, I believe there is a strong relationship between the research, so it should motivate other researchers. That's a bit my view. Very cool. Any, anybody want to comment on that in any form? Or? No? Okay. Um, all right, guys. I guess a final question, too, So, with the exchange aspect of it, because that's obviously something people in the Monero community would be very excited by, right? So this is a, another potential on-off on ramp for Monero in the most ideal way, right? So anonymously swapping between, between currencies, something other than atomic swaps, something other than Havino decentralized exchange, or at least working in a different way. Uh, where do you see, what role do you see it playing in the ecosystem versus these other tools that are already trying to do this concept? What, how is it gonna differentiate itself? What, what uh, part of the market is it going to uh, you know, own? I mean, where do, you, where do you see it fitting into the larger ecosystem of swapping between coins? Well, here I also like to, to, to integrate again um, I2P because what I learned from them is to be resilient, you have to have different approaches and they have different implementations of their routers like a C++ in the Java implementation, uh, implementation, yes. And this makes it very, very resilient. And this is something which I also believe are, is true for swaps. There might be um, uh, atomic swap solutions, there might be a DeVa exchange solutions. And I hope that there are even other solutions which are, which are coming because like this, the, the users they can take those solutions which they like the most and then the and then the, the the solution for the end user is really resilient to problems which might come in the future that's my view on it very cool anybody else want to comment on that <laughs> all right guys this is a great conversation I hope I hope we got some decent sound um, what do you guys think about MoneroCon in general? I mean, what really brought you out here? Why, why, why MoneroCon? Why aren't you, uh, you know, talking about I2P at, at, at some other conference? Or why, why do you think it's, it was welcomed discussion here and comments there? Well, someone came on our forum and posted an invitation, and I thought, because I don't live too far, uh, I thought I would come, and then uh, IDK said it would come, and it's. Uh, I, I think it's good. It's mostly to kind of re reinforce the relationship between the two communities, which, as I said, wasn't always great with back in the day when the, it first started. Uh, and to meet the people, and uh, and we we do go to other conferences occasionally. Um, we're almost never always in full, there's always a subset of us, a varying subset, so you almost never get to see everybody who's I2P somewhere. But there are I, there is someone from I2P at pretty much every major conference. Yeah, it's also because I want to know the people behind Monero, because I only read sometimes on Reddit and other forums, but I never met people from Monero, so I wanted really to know how other people behind Monero and I have to say they're really cool folks here, they're really chilled, really nice people and I'm really happy to be here and meet all those nice people here. And awesome, man. thank you. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to join the project after 
all of the um, all of the early drama between I2P and the Monero community. Um, but I and uh, shortly thereafter, I think uh, Seth probably tried to um, tried to you know start repairing that relationship. He's he's been uh, in contact with us uh, all, all the time. Um, he's a very he's a he's nice nice fellow and a good member of our community um, and I don't know what I've noticed about Monero is that uh, you guys are you guys are the best cryptocurrency community you're, you're, you're you have sense that the other ones mostly don't uh, it's the least the least toxic of all of these all of these idiots <laughs> you know and maybe I just spend too much time on reddit but uh, but yeah, you, you 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 know you guys keep your heads together in a way that uh, the Bitcoiners don't, for instance, sometimes. Yeah yeah yeah, Pre appreciate that, and couldn't agree with you more with regards to, to Seth. I didn't even know he was, uh, you know, kind of behind the, the the melding of the communities. But I've seen him do that in other aspects of Monero. He's He's kind of like the, 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 the diplomat of Monero, you know, the, 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 the head of the state. He, he's great at working with other communities, including the Bitcoin community. He approaches it in a very, you know, open-minded kind of like scientific method way, uh, which becomes hard to, you know, argue with, right? So he's, he's open to all ideas and just trying to find the best solutions, which a lot of us claim to be, but uh, he seems to really live up to it. And that... So thank you, Seth, for that. Thanks for, uh, uh, I guess you guys probably wouldn't have been here otherwise, right? So very cool. Um, yeah, so I guess that th that did lead to one final question then. I mean, Monero. I mean, what do you guys think think of Monero, whether it's about the community or the technology uh, or compared to other cryptos? I mean, you guys are, are experts in the field of essentially, you know, it, keeping people's data safe and encrypted and uh, safe from surveillance. Do you think Monero is doing a good job at that? That's, that's, that's what I see as being its purpose, right? Censorship resistant, surveillance resistant transactions. What's your, your take on Monero? I would say that Monero does something very important for society and it needs to keep doing it. Uh, I don't know enough about the technology to say, you know, is, is that the ultimate and final word in, in how it should be. But what it has achieved so far is impressive, given that it started off just by Fluffy Pony, really. And the fact that it's doing it, the fact that MoneroCon exists, is, is, makes me very happy. Awesome. Yeah, I can just uh, repeat what he said, but it's really, I think Monero is one of the cryptocurrency I probably would trust most because they really appreciate the privacy of other people. It's one of the goods who really should be protected, especially in future. And I think Monero is really doing a really great part in regarding this kind of aspect. Awesome. I guess we got you, unless there's anything you want to throw in on a technical level? Uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah, Monero was my first coin I got in touch with. I was always impressed with the concept. I love Monero. I love the privacy concept behind it. So great stuff. The community is diverse and extremely nice. So 
By the way, thanks a lot to the Monero community for having us here. So really, thank you very much. Cool. Yeah, and th thank you to you guys. Uh, you definitely helped, you know, uh, bring bring the proper culture to, to this venue. I feel like you guys are exuding what, what uh, MoneroCon is supposed to be about. So uh, appreciate it. And thank you for the Edelberry. All right. Cheers, guys. All right. Adela, what's going on? Super. This is amazing. It reminds me of the old school Bitcoin conferences. In, in what way? And that it's small, it's intimate, uh, you know, you can actually learn something. I've certainly learned a lot and it's not being swallowed up by Wall Street and suits and, uh, you know, 8,000 Xers. It's a nice, nice vibe. You think that's inevitable, though, for Monero? Are we, are, are we just, uh, you know, in the earlier stages and eventually we will be overrun by, by those sorts? You know, it's funny because I was thinking about that and I was uh, last night, actually, and I was wondering if there's any kind of way to stymie uh, organic growth. Because with organic growth comes whatever comes without being, you know, uh, the same sort of regulatory asshole that I think this space is meaning to uh, keep safe distance from. Is there any thoughts, advice on, on what can be done to just uh, make sure that the culture that currently exists stays or not make sure but help ensure i don't know if there's any kind of good way to really answer that uh, with an answer that will encompass a full solution but what i can say is that this is my second monero conference and i found it very similar to the first in that everyone here seems quite welcoming uh, it seems very inclusive and you know people will talk to each other uh, like human beings and I think once you keep cultivating that as a culture, it becomes a culture. And I think that in itself might help keep up out the, you know, the bad actors and the uh, 8,000 Xers. Yeah, I mean, the uh, Bitcoin ecosystem, uh, you know, seems to be more based on a number go up these days. And that really seems to be the culture. And its immune system, quote unquote, seems to be just fighting off anybody that doesn't believe in the number go up narrative. Yeah, unfortunately, there's a lot of uh, toxic narrative in that space. Um, you know, what I what I really like about this space is that it seems very organic in its growth, and it really, you know, I hate to say it at the at the risk of ruffling feathers. I think it is ruffle know, away <laughs> the logical conclusion of Satoshi's white paper, and I think especially now as we see more sanctions coming down from the European Union from uh, different jurisdictions, that it is just such a way to preserve people's privacy and access actually for the, you know, the same things that Bitcoin, Bitcoiners wanted to do from the jump, which was to help the unbanked, the underbanked, the disenfranchised and the poor. And I think, I think Monero is really picking that up as a true mission. For sure, for sure, I hope so. That's, that's the goal. That's good that that's your current analysis of it or observation. Um, so you gave a talk today, on privacy, right? What was the, what was the name of your talk? So it was uh, uh, privacy uh, and, oh, can we cut this maybe? Is this live? Yeah, 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 is this yeah, live? Oh my God, is it well, live? It was about privacy. <laughs> it, was, the, it was I privacy, the name but myself, so. a, a legal perspective. Right. I, I chose not to do that um, as I had planned with the slides and everything, but rather I wanted to talk about a case that uh, no one here would have heard about and it's it's an it's a oh, I, I missed it by the way so if you could give us a quick 
Synopsis. I'm not sure how much I can talk about it on the show, but it's it's a case that's not known. Uh, I can't really give too many details, but it, it had really important implications for where our freedoms, especially of, of person and financial assets, are heading right now in the U.S. And it's a case that I worked on. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to talk about... Well, but... What you? What was this? Basically, what you presented on? What was kind of the the main takeaways from that? So I I kind of I put I juxtaposed that case, uh, the outcome of that case, and how uh, fragile we are, um, especially with the enforcers as they are enforcing with. Uh, the regulation by enforcement uh, culture that we have right now and uh, put that next to the the, uh, the the birth of the CBDC which is the central bank digital currencies and putting that together and saying that gee I mean now we're looking at total control so not only will we have to worry about our personal freedoms but uh, the freedom of how we can actually transact day to day absolutely were you here yesterday when that gentleman gave the talk on uh, creating uh, digital currencies that could scale well for central banks? Yeah, and we actually had a really, uh, we sat next to each other for dinner last night, fun. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. I didn't see him there last night. Okay. Is he here today? Um, I don't see him today, but he's actually a really interesting guy. He's actually thought about this. And so what was really cool is that we're coming from different perspectives, but it was really cool to have that Socratic debate to agree to kind of disagree and yet still see... Uh, you know, the crux of what the other was trying to bring to the table. Understand their logic and how they are where they currently are. Absolutely. And I, I think that's so cool. It's when you can disagree with someone, but really look and understand it. They thought about it a lot. They, this is not an unsophisticated yeah. <laughs> rudimentary discussion, but rather something that has been uh, well, well thought out. And you can respect that. I always respect that position. 100%. Yeah, we'll, we'll try to get them on the show at some point because I, I, I had a lot of questions. Um, so privacy uh, regulation, you know, one of the – there are those in the Monero community, or actually I would say it's more so those that aren't in the Monero community that kind of spread this idea that, you know, Monero may get regulated out of existence or there, there's a concern, there's a high risk there. Uh, because of that, you shouldn't use it or you or you certainly shouldn't invest in it because of that. What's your viewpoint on that? I think less sophisticated jurisdictions might try to regulate it out of existence by bans. The more sophisticated jurisdictions will uh, will go try to go about it in a more uh, roundabout sort of way where maybe services that offer it or services cannot offer it or uh, services cannot accept it from you know end users uh, but the thing about uh, a decentralized currency <laughs> that is private is that you know there is regulation and then there is uh, enforcement and how do you enforce something that uh, essentially that you can't see or prove right yeah so yeah so th those in the Monero community I think most would agree with you right that that is the goal is to build something that's essentially resistant to regulation 
Right. And, you know, I always think about the use cases of, say, women and truly disenfranchised, um, say, women who are not allowed to own property, for example. Uh, that's why, you know, we cannot, we simply just cannot let in through the back door what we cannot allow through the front. Because if you talk to any sort of regulator or even enforcer or human rights activist, they'll tell you the same thing, that they're looking to preserve the rights of those people. And so when you, when you put a ban on or try to ban technology like Monero, that could really just be a, like save somebody's life, really in truth and fact, then you are doing that sneaking in through the back door. Do you, let's talk about United States in particular. What's your viewpoint on the United States uh, jurisdiction and what, what it may look like for Monero? Wow, um, that's, a, that's a really, really tricky one. Um, as far as it is right now, FinCEN does have rules for persons um, using, exchanging, or administering uh, virtual currencies, and that is at the federal level. And every state has their own definition of money. Uh, it's 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 very it's very straight across the board you know it's very similar across the board um, but now on a state level you would have to look to narrow the definition of money to really sort of assert control over that and uh, federally as it is right now uh, it's it's not it's it's not something that I would be concerned about just yet do you think there'll kind of be this PGP moment uh, for for cryptocurrency and Monero in particular, this moment where it really becomes a, a constitutional debate as to whether or not something like Monero uh, sh should be allowed to exist uh, without without regulation? Can you ask that again? I was talking about PGP keys. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about you know. So, so uh, yeah, I guess I kind of jumped. So you know the whole PGP story, Philip Zimmerman. Creator PGP and there was there was a struggle there was this battle I mean they basically accused him of exporting uh, illegal munitions uh, because uh, of the, the the tool the encryption tool allowing people to essentially communicate peer to peer without uh, a government being being able to spy if they wanted to and they saw that as a technology essentially that shouldn't be in the hands of people but obviously in there's constitutional arguments to be made as to why that should most certainly be allowed, right? It's essentially free speech, code is speech, uh, uh, you know, in encryption is, is speech. Uh, you know, the ability for people to communicate freely, obviously, is speech. Do you think there'll be that moment with Monero if, if they were to try to regulate or perhaps even ban that there would be this constitutional uh, argument that's made and hopefully Monero would come out on top. So fun fact, I'm an old cypherpunk. I was in the digital gold space back in the early 2000s. So, uh, you know, this is something that I've thought about a little bit. Um, and I, you know, I think that- I ask you because you're an attorney and you, you, you obviously are very well versed in, the, in these concepts. Sure, uh, I think the cypherpunks fought a good fight. Um, and I, I think we're at the point right now where the regulators actually understand again going back to what I said about enforcement so there's what you can there's what you can regulate and they really don't seem to have any sort of stops uh, you know between uh, you know regulation and not in regulation but uh, at the end of the day it's all about enforcement it's what can be enforced and I think now especially uh, that cryptography is being used so widely that it would be very very difficult uh, the more that it is integrated into our day-to-day uh, uses uh, as that was an issue back then.
Right. So this idea, if you, if you all adopt it and start using it, then it becomes a null argument. Oh, absolutely. Like, for example, the, uh, the, the, FATF, the latest FATF recommendations that would essentially make a non-custodial, unhosted wallet provider uh, a virtual asset service provider that would have to do all this record keeping and reporting if then adopted by the EU and voted on. Uh, it's, it's ridiculous because that's such a thing, if you read it plainly, uh, would mean that any kind of service that has the ability to custodian a key segment would be subject to the, those reporting and re, uh, record keeping requirements like Google Authenticator or, you know, iCloud. Uh, and certainly that could not have been the meaning that was intended for it. So I think moving forward, the regulators are going to start to uh, be a lot more uh, careful in how they word things and, you know, how they're looking at the comments period. They're looking at the comments. They're looking at the technologists pitching into the discussions and they are they are contracting with the technologists so that they can actually start writing these things in more clever ways mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah I know, so I, I feel like I'm pushing you on the on this concept of do you think there'll be this constitutional moment <laughs> where it's decided whether or not Monero ethically should be allowed to, to exist freely uh, but then you, you seem to be just more interested in well this is a, an unstoppable technology and that's what it's supposed to be which is what we all here are interested in, but I, I was trying to get your legal perspective, but you're saying, well, why even talk about that essentially? Let's build tech that's resistant to regulation. Absolutely, let's build tech that's resistant to it. Uh, and the more mainstream that they become, the less that we have to worry about those constitutional issues. Um, I, see, I'm, I'm a little bit undecided as to where that could go, so I was kind of skirking the issue a little bit. Okay, I okay. No, I didn't mean to it. put you on the spot there. Yeah, no. I just wanted I your, your opinion. Yeah. No, I absolutely love it. I think if it, again, if it does come to that where it really does become a discussion about protection of uh, constitutional rights, I think, the, again, the more people who adopt it is the bigger fight, a bigger fight that we have, like we're seeing now with the uh, SEC v. Ripple. You know, because they certainly had millions of dollars to throw at fighting that. Definitely, definitely. Too big to fail. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so one last question or topic, and it's it's related. So do you see Monero, uh, you know, perhaps being better at, at achieving this resistance to regulation, being resistant to corruption? Uh, do you see it as, as kind of the, the leader in that versus other cryptos? Do you think, because I mean, people people will say, you know, because Bitcoin is transparent, essentially has this attack surface that would allow things like the FAFTA rules or whatever regulations they want to implement to actually be carried through because of Bitcoin's transparency flaw. Yeah, so... It's, my answer is going to be a little Is bit Monero more resistant to regulation than, than Bitcoin? I think it is. I think it is. And I think both of them have their use cases. Uh, but yes, I think it is way more uh, uh, <laughs> fault tolerant than, uh, than Bitcoin is. So in Bitcoin, because I mean, so then what do you see as the use case of Bitcoin? Because a lot of people say it's censorship resistant. That's, that's like really the, the core value proposition. It's, uh, you know the ability to, to transact peer-to-peer -peer without being stopped. Do you see that as it's being its value proposition or do you think it's something else? What, Monero? 
No, for Bitcoin, right? Because I, I feel like Bitcoin potentially does the resistant to regulation better than Bitcoin does, which at the end of the day is censorship resistance, right? This ability to be unstoppable, uh, uncorruptible, a, a government or a tyrant couldn't corrupt it. If, if Monero is potentially built better in that respect, what then is the the use case for Bitcoin? What is its value proposition? What is it? What does it do that you know Monero isn't doing? So I think that the transparent chain could have its its use cases. I, I, funny, I think governments should be using it because we should be able to see what and how they're spending their money. And most times we we just we just don't have a clue. Uh, so. I think also if you're running a business and you want to keep a certain amount of transparency or ease for even, say, accounting purposes, I think that's a that's a pretty good use case. Uh, but as far as like uh, you know individuals transacting, I definitely see peer to peer. I see that uh, I think that Monero is a, a much better solution. Listen, and it's not just for illegal stuff. I, I might want to buy a pair of weed shape earrings. Uh, and a joint, and uh, I don't necessarily want to know. I, I, I need to preserve my dignity uh, on whatever it is, uh, and I, I think I think that's important. I think that's why peer-to-peer it's uh, it's the best solution. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just everybody focuses on. I I hate when it's just called the privacy coin. I mean, it's much bigger than that. I see. I sp- I'm sorry. I'm kind of new no, to no, no, Monero, no, no. so no, I'm not criticizing yeah. you. I'm just giving you my perspective. I see it more as a, as a liberty coin, right? It's like it's preserving our liberty at the end of the day. Whether or not you know, you, you know, it's private. If somebody can't see you buying whatever your your pot, uh, weed shaped earrings, is yeah. is not the end of the world. Or to be honest, but the, and I do understand. But it, the the bigger concern is you know. Uh, being able to use mass surveillance tools to observe a chain and then through that basically take away people's liberty and, and slowly chill free speech, chill the, the ability of people to communicate freely. Any reactions to that? No, and I'm processing it. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, I haven't, I haven't really decided on all of the nuances as yet, but I, I am, I'm learning, I'm here, and uh, just taking it kind of like one step at a time. All right. Yeah, because yeah, this idea that, you know, uh, Bitcoin's cool, and then just use Monero if you need privacy. I think it's much larger than that. It should be, everybody should use Monero for transacting because we want to pre- prevent dystopia. We don't want to live in a world where all our tra- where we're all being perfectly surveilled with well, regards we are being so surveilled at, at this point. I mean, it's it's the norm right now. We're getting worse and worse. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, every site you use is tracking your information. This <laughs> geologging is insane. Uh, I mean, so I, I think we're getting more and more immunized and it's becoming more and more mainstream that we just not, we just we're accepting that we are surveilled, you know. I've certainly seen things in discovery, you know, uh, that I just would never have expected to uh, see you know, companies uh, really con- collecting uh, more than just personal information of their users, but going beyond beyond that. And really, if the companies are doing it, then the governments and uh, and the enforcers have access to that information. Awesome. Anything else you want to leave with the Monero community? Any anything else you want to say? No, I just I love it here. That's that's it. Awesome. Well, yeah. thank you for having. Yeah. Me. Nice. Yeah. Seeing you again, I, th- I know we saw each other at least twice. I don't. I think we may know each Miami. other from Miami. It's from Miami. Yeah. I thought maybe even before that too. I got a half price uh, ticket from your lovely Sunita here. <laughs>
She made a good business decision. So we're, we were happy to have you there. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure I'll see you around. I'm sure. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, anywhere where people can find you, follow you, see your, see your work? Um, I'm not much on social media, but you could follow me at Bitcoin Khaleesi. Uh, I know that didn't age well. <laughs> Game of Thrones. <laughs> but uh, Bitcoin Khaleesi on Twitter, hardly there. Uh, and you can send me an email or just a direct message through Twitter. I'll find it eventually. Okay. Or, ooh. Adele.la, so A-D-E-L dot L-A, that will take you to my LinkedIn page. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Adele. Cheers. All right. What's going on, guys? Everything good? And you? Good, good. Uh, having fun? I'm having a blast. <laughs> Yesterday, I was running around. I was the, you know, the MC. Mm-hmm. But today, I was like, I want to just sure. be able to do some interviews. Because this is what I like doing at the camp, talking to people, Madero talk, long form. I get more enjoyment that way. I, yesterday was a blast, but I wasn't able to do any of this. So I'm enjoying this. You guys want to quickly uh, introduce yourselves? Yeah. Uh, I'm uh, Emmer PT. Uh, my, that's my my handle. Um, so I've, I've been uh, in uh, XMR for the last um, uh, two years. Uh, uh, and the crypto scene about like for four, four uh, five Um yeah, and I've been uh, uh, the founder, the initiator in Portugal uh, of the the Freedom Cells um, concept, and started like uh, getting in touch with uh, with people. That's how I, I met Mr. P. Oh, okay, uh, so you guys b- are both in the in the Freedom Cells uh, group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I fell into I'm the wrong crowd when I got here, like nearly two years ago, like with Miguel and a few other Freedom Sellers. Yeah, and it seemed like a really good fit because, like Miguel, I've been in crypto for a little while, mm-hmm. and they're just yeah, it's just a, a bit. It's a group of people that, that freedom-minded, yeah, freedom-minded, mm-hmm. agorists, um, mm-hmm. and it's just a perfect match. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's how just I came to, to be here. Yeah, applying uh, um, cr- crypto, uh, anarchism, um, counter markets, um, yeah. applying them into practice, and there is nothing better than like uh, for us to like know each other eye to eye, and um, we just like get along. Uh, find uh, find some friends, fi- find acquaintances, and like work together in like several projects in order to like uh, exponentiate like our our, in our uh, individual freedom and together like collective freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Monero. We always talk about how we need to focus on building a s- circular economy. Yeah. Uh, so that's something that you guys are certainly passionate about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We didn't. We didn't. You didn't do your intro yet. Are you going to no, reveal no, no. your? because you're you're quite the you're quite the put the veil put the veil you're quite the celebrity of, in my world I think it, can we can we reveal this no you don't have to if you don't have to I go by relevant Peter McCormack my my favorite my favorite uh, Twitter personality it, it came about because um well he comes from bedford right you know that? you tricked me a few there's been a few double takes where i'll wake up and i'll read a, 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 a peter mccormick you're like no way finally I'm like oh, yeah but I, I don't know it came to me because i live so he's from bedford um i came from sort of milton king's area so we're like 20 miles apart i just thought uh, you know kind of english middle-aged and I'm hoping to be the relevant version of him. Yeah, I don't, you I need to start your own podcast, man. This uh, is. I was kind of inspired by you know relevant piece of shit. I thought. That oh yeah. Okay. Okay. The relevant piece. Of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. Well, you're doing a great job. You're yeah. doing a great job. You show you show very deep understanding of, of everything that's yeah. going on through your through your Twitter. Yeah. Well, I mean, I started out um, back in probably about 2014 mining a few of the Litecoin clo- clones, and yeah, it's a slow burner for me, but. It, 
I've gone from the journey that he never took really from you know Bitcoin never really maximalist the Ethereum DeFi thing tried that for a while but all roads lead to here ultimately right and that's why I'm here today Awesome. All roads lead to Monero. Yeah, and hopefully all roads from here lead also like to everyone here that we have a, a good uh, representation of people from everywhere in the world and uh, from every continent. Uh, hopefully from this also we could uh, uh, inspire people to um, go to freedomcells.org, for example, and uh, or other uh, sites or even just like start uh, something, uh, a chat, some, something, and just like uh, start connecting with people uh, near you, uh, meeting up. Uh, live, uh, connecting to, to people and like uh, making like friends and um, yeah, good connections, contacts, and uh, start working together uh, with um, the the exchanging uh, crypto uh, as a, as a good uh, as a good start or uh, just uh, yeah like uh, skill sharing, uh, working on like alternative communications, ways to, to uh, getting like uh, uh, encrypted communications or like even alternative like uh, CB radios, ham radios, LoRa systems, um, uh, alternative uh, internet, for example. Uh, how, how many people are part of this community? Well, uh, worldwide or uh, worldwide. Wo worldwide, officially, uh, according to the site, it's like thirty-five thousand. But that is also always like uh, yeah, you have like uh, you have people that are just like subscribed there, like uh, to us. Like what it really matters is like people that like give faith, you know. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people that that are nowhere near uh, the site. They they yeah. find they find you organically in places like this. They don't even need to go there. So. So I, I think you could e easily double or treble the yeah, official number. What, like the families also because like uh, he is also he's only like one account, but like he represents like a, a, a beautiful family also that is also like fully committed to to, to freedom. Um, and uh, and yeah, it's uh, it's just just that like maximizing. Who knows? Like maybe like in the hundreds of thousands like uh, worldwide. Uh, in Portugal, uh, officially like around like uh, a thousand. Uh, in oh, the so there's a pretty good community here yeah, in Portugal. Yeah, yeah. And you call it the Mexico of Europe, right? Yeah, the Mexico of Europe. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah b because uh, yeah, Portugal um, has a very like cash friendly, and uh, it's it has like a huge like black market, like uh, Spain and like uh, southern, like uh, Italy as well, and like southern Europe. Uh, um, and um, and yeah, and this, uh, a great uh, expat uh, uh, environment as well. People from all around the world. People are pretty open to like speaking uh, in English. Good food, good weather. Uh, <laughs> 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 well, sometimes, uh, most of the times. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's a great uh, place to, to be. Pretty cheap. Portugal is beautiful. Yeah, pretty 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 cheap for like most. Uh, uh, most people from from Western from the Western wor world at least um, the cash is king bit that you yeah, just touched yeah, upon. Just for me, when I got here nearly two years ago, mm -hmm. we moved into like a wreck of a house, no mm -hmm. kitchen, so we were eating out as a family every night. Yeah. And the first couple of days I got here, not very optic. Yeah. I, you know, I tried to pay on a card at a restaurant, yeah. and they gave you such a horrible look. Yeah. <laughs> and you quickly realise it's like well, they maybe pay three percent on that card transaction, which yeah. in rural Portugal is, is everything, right? Not even so <laughs> that's why I love being here. We're on fertile ground as, as Monero adopters because, yeah, if the ECB try, if they dare to try and roll out that, or when they try to roll out that that central bank digital currency, it might work in Germany or Holland, mm -hmm. but here, good luck. <laughs>
there, there, there will there will be a resistance uh, in case of that because a lot of families like uh, yeah like uh, about like a, a third of the the, the country uh, directly or indirectly uh, needs um, the parallel economy, you know, like uh, either to escape like regulations, tax, uh, taxes, uh, mostly like taxes, um, yeah, just like to, to live by it. So. so is there a growing Monero presence here in Portugal or is well, it starting to get uh, organically adopted in any way? Well, not, I would not say like uh, organically, but like th there's like uh, just for example, just in, in if uh, you go to like a matrix chat, like for example, like Monero Portugal and you like uh, just like search that, you'll find about like uh, 40,000 people that incredibly are not like represented here, but still we have like uh, a good uh, good local crowd. But uh, there's a lot of people like uh, looking into 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 Monero and special like this is just like imagine when uh, the CBDC um, comes uh, or the, the Internet ID, imagine like the potential of a lot of people uh, suddenly finding out, oh, there's like a, a cash 2.0, you know, um, possibility uh, to just like be, be free and they will understand like the benefits of, uh, of crypto and of uh, uh, Monero and the, the privacy feature and the decentralization concept, which is fundamental for, for freedom. Awesome, guys. So is, is there anything that you think we should be doing to get the two communities together better? Ooh, that's a toughie, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm open to suggestions of more, more that we could do. I mean, I've, um, I've teamed up with Libra, who did the workshop earlier on privacy devices, phones. So we've done Liberate it like... LiberateYourTech.com. LiberateYourTech.com, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we teamed up and did a joint workshop where you know, he got people to get Google off their phones. And I was there um, getting Google... Once he got Google off, I was getting a cake wallet on there, just giving them 20 euros worth of of Monero um, and trying to do it in the right way, making sure they had their seed written down. <laughs> um, Whoops. <laughs> yeah. Did we confirm? Was there a disaster? We think somebody may have deleted their uh, cake wallet before writing down the seed. I don't know whether it's a fresh installation, but I saw I saw cake wallet on a phone, so maybe we're okay. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, that kind of thing, just trying to get people to, to use it in a circular way. So, on the back of that, I set up a Threema group for each workshop I did. The idea being that I was happy for people to kind of use me in a peer-to-peer -peer way as an on-ramp or off-ramp, you know. Because um, I think in terms of adoption, we're, you can't just go from zero to people buying. I think someone used the example of buying vegetables yesterday. The interim steps have got to be something along the lines of we trade with each other, right? I think. What do you? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I was trying to get started. It's it's hard road, yeah. let's be honest. But um, and it, I think someone mentioned it yesterday actually that you know the the tyranny has to escalate a little bit before people see the need, unfortunately. So there has yeah. to be some some catalyst that will. I think you guys are doing like a, an awesome job. It's needed like to have like a, a presence, like a media. Uh, alternative media presence. Um, yeah, I think it's just a matter of uh, a matter of time, and um, as soon as also like the the, um, the, the layer twos, like uh, as 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 soon as like the the practicality of it like uh, becomes like uh, more efficient and, mo and more like uh, easy to, to get uh, into, and uh, the external factors, or also known as 
say tyranny, uh, uh, s s starts to, to accrue, like uh, like uh, Mr. P said and very well, uh, obviously uh, people will just like flock to it and then you won't, won't need to like uh, try to like bring that to the people because the people will already uh, are will ob already be looking out for that. So it's just a matter of time. You're doing a great uh, work and thank you for choosing uh, my lovely country to, <laughs> to do this and you're always welcome to. Yeah, man. If no, you, we're, we're having a great time. You a a venue. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're thinking of maybe maybe doing the next minute, you know, the next Monerotopia. Maybe you guys would want to be involved oh, in some absolutely. way, even if we didn't do it in Portugal. Mm -hmm. But, you know, where, where, where are there other big communities? Uh, well, the States, of course. The States is like the, the, the main one. Where? Where? Uh, everywhere. <laughs> you mentioned Portsmouth yesterday, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah New Hampshire. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> yeah, like uh, overall, like in the in the states, ev everywhere, because like the concept started there. Uh, Mexico, the big one. Uh, like the states, you'd have to go somewhere like Texas or Florida, though, right? Yeah, Texas, Florida, New Hampshire, uh, probably. Um, yeah, I would say that those would be like the the big ones. Uh, Not New York. No. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm an ar I'm an army of one over there. <laughs> nor California. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think uh, those would be like uh, good places. Yeah, in Europe. Um, yeah, it's it's tough to to say. Like, uh, there's also a lot of people like in Bulgaria, for example. Uh, there's a lot of like people like flocking to those like eastern, like southern eastern Europe. Okay, that's interesting. You know, um, yeah, just a matter of time. <laughs> a little heat map of liberty around yeah, the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so w where people can be a little bit free, you know, the people will fuck there. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Oh, okay, yeah, appreciate you guys jumping on. Thank you for so overall, wha what was your take on this, on the conference overall, you guys? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the comparing was slightly higher standard yesterday, got to say, you know, but... Um, <laughs> The comparing was a higher standard yesterday, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I missed I missed Amir's talk. I thought we were on lunch, and then I feel like the last five minutes. But yeah, overall, awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, awesome, awesome. Cool. Uh, I was just going to, to we were just uh, also wondering because of that because we both yeah. like missed it because we went out for for lunch. Things will you you'll be uh, uploading the. Yeah. Yeah, they'll they'll I'm sure at some point they're they'll mm -hmm. post them. They're recording. They didn't live stream, but then mm -hmm. they're gonna be posting the recordings. Okay. That would be great. I'd be shocked if they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>Francisco, what's going on? Well, I had a good uh, talk today, very interesting conference. I really want to thank the organizers of this conference that put a phenomenal amount of effort. I'm really impressed with what they've done. So that would be one of my comments about this. I was really pleased with the conference as a whole. Uh, what, what are some of the things that you are, were most excited about at this conference? I, I had a great time. I actually, yesterday I was doing the MC stuff. Which is which is fun. I, I enjoyed doing it, but it took away from my ability to have you know the one-on-one -on -one conversations like these. So today I'm doing more of that. So I'm loving today, even though being exhausted. It's just 
it's nice to have the 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 moments where you could talk to somebody for an hour at length about a certain topic. What have been your your kind of your greatest moments at uh, MineroCon? I've had a lot of people. I've had a lot of very good one-to-one conversations. I've met a lot of people. I've had a really good interactions. I've learned a lot. I've also listened to some talks and identified others that I want to really study. Um, so that's been. I mean, I've more than achieved what I aim to do here. So I'm really pleased with that. It's a great networking opportunity. Also, I've met people I hadn't met for quite a while because of COVID. So there's a lot of real positive indirect aspects of the conference. Uh, made new contacts, which are very valuable. Exciting to see that there's kind of different groups here too. It's not just, obviously everybody that's here is into Monero, knows about Monero. Uh, but you have like the I2P people, uh, you know, you have, we have different different groups that are working on different things that have different passions that overlap with Monero. And it's nice to see that MoneroCon is bringing those groups together. Well, it's a lot actually. Uh, I've, that's actually really, really exciting. It kind of reminds me in some ways of Monerotopia, who's pr- who Monerotopia brought together. I mean, this is the networking aspect, the broader community aspect, and that's working very, very well. Yeah, yeah. Nice to see. So I introduced you this morning, and I, I falsely uh, said that you'd be talking about scalability, which is what you normally talk about. Uh, I didn't have my double espresso yet. But today you actually spoke about a different topic, right? Well, not strictly s- exactly, because it is related to scalability. Um, so you weren't that far out, um, and it's more subtle. I spoke about the environmental footprints and the impacts on um attacks. But one of the major concerns that's been raised by the community is certain types of spam attacks. Uh, and that was came up in this talk. And the relevance of the environmental question is that the spread between a 51% attack and a Big Bang attack is actually a lot tighter. Um, so yes, indirectly, I did t- talk about scalability. Okay, it's it's always in mind because it's 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 essential to mo- most topics, right? Um, so, what is the the kind of your basis thesis then with regards to the the environmental impact uh, of of Monero? The mindset has to be changed. You mine Monero to either get a rebate on your heating costs or in your electricity. You mine Monero. With electricity, you may have to sell a very low price or you have to get a low price. So, yes, you can do some of the traditional mining, but you've got to change that mindset. Um, the heat is critical component of this. If I was going to say something, i come back to my comment about uh, uh, Madrid and Edmonton. Uh, plus 40 in one place, minus 40 in the other. Well, heat has is a, is a relevant question. A lot of people say that they can't mine Monero, they're trying to do it in a traditional way, and in certain circumstances you can, but the real thought is, I can get free Monero, actually quite privately, because if you've been surveilled and every and completely, the, the person who's surveilling you will not see a change in your, in your electricity bill. All you've done is switch from resistive heating to mining Monero. Nobody's going to know that you got the Monero. So that's a real privacy side effect to this too also. In addition to, to that aspect, do you think there's other aspects that differentiate Bitcoin f- 
from Monero with regards to mining. Obviously, you have random X, there's the, but in t and then in terms of what that the impact on the environment is, is it is it is it different between Bitcoin and Monero, or is it because they're both proof of work? Proof of work, it ends up being the same thing, or, or is there potentially a different impact that Monero's having on the environment versus Bitcoin? Um, major impact is the fact that we're dealing with is the effect of random access that we're using CPUs versus ASICs. So the first thing that happens is it, it lends itself to opportunistic mining. This is what uh, Howard Shu was talking about in his uh, uh, in his talk that what you, you can use any equipment you have there. You don't have to worry that it's not the greatest and best best CPU because you're still going to advantageous ASIC. I mean, in principle, you can do it with ASIC. My feeling is with, with Monero, you don't need any other incentives. With ASIC, to make it work in this kind of way, you're going to need regulatory incentives. So I'm saying that a regulator, like say the, the, the European Commission, can say, okay, we want to allow mining, but only if it's decentralized, only if you have one ASIC per house. Well, in Monero, you don't really, that's not going to change anything. With Bitcoin, it would force the decentralization of ASICs. It'll actually benefit the Bitcoin network because now they get one ASIC, one boat, as opposed to one CPU, one boat. But you're going to need, I suspect, some push from regulators to do this. And that's a way to compromise, uh, you know, provide, deal with the environmental question, but at the same time, actually support the Bitcoin network and not attack it. So there are fundamental differences. The problem with ASICs is they are proprietary for the most part. They favor large industrial operations. The distribution favors that. I tried mining Bitcoin with ASICs and I ended up ordering it thinking I was going to mine it in the middle of the winter in Prince George and I got the thing in the middle of the summer. And, by, and I had to mine it over the summer and by the end of the next winter it was obsolete. So that's the difference. You had a very hot summer. And I had a very hot summer and I spent a lot of money on air conditioning. I actually lost money in terms of Bitcoin, although I must admit I didn't make money in terms of Canadian dollars. With the, the GPUs that I, that I used for mining Bitcoin in 2011, I still have the perfectly usable. In fact, it could even be used for uh, verifying Monero transactions, for example. So what, what type of dynamic do you think that cause creates? So in, in Monero, CPUs are used, so they have... They could be used for, for variable different things, whereas, you know, in, in Bitcoin, it's just application specific, can only be used for one thing. What effect do you think that has on kind of the, the game theory of mining? How does that affect the, the mining ecosystem? Well, it comes down to, favor, to favoring the decentralized player versus the centralized player. In Monero, by using existing uh, equipment that you have using for something else, you're favoring decentralization. In, in Bitcoin, you're favoring centralization because of the top-down structure of the, of the production of ASICs. So it comes down... How about this concept that the ASIC will become a commodity and, you know, it'll be just as easy to obtain as a CPU eventually? I mean, it's possible. I, I have some doubts about it, but it's possible. Uh, that was considered in the Monero community as a back a case in case RandomX didn't really deliver. Um, the, the idea behind it is to commoditize the ASIC, but that was a fallback position. And Do yes, you see that naturally happening in the market? Like, what's the drive towards that? What is that really? Is that a CPU at the end of the day? I mean, what does it evolve into? 
What, at what point is an ASIC a commodity? Like, how do you get from where we are, which seems to be tending towards centralization, but instead towards commodity? Like, what, what would have to happen in the marketplace for the ASIC to become as common as the CPU? Well, it only has one use. It's never going to be as common as CPU. Now, keep in mind, I mean, you could probably go out there and design a an ASIC, quote-unquote, to mine Monero, which is essentially a green CPU. So you'll get rid of a lot of the baggage and so on, and you maybe you can increase it. But you still end up creating something that has a whole bunch of other uses. Um, the, the key point of random access, you have to use all of the features of the CPU. And it randomly designs, you know, the virtual machine what's going to go in there. And so what you've done is you've designed a mining algorithm that you have to use a multi-purpose CPU in order to efficiently mine it. So that's what's driving the decentralization. Because now anybody can use any CPU that goes for something else for doing it. It's a specific thing that one company or two companies produce. Do you think there'll be any moments or catalysts where Monero mining takes off and becomes more of a something that's done among general society? Well, it could become in the sense that if people get the, the idea that they can get a 10 or 20% uh, drop in their heating bill, by mining Monero, uh, and if you have a, a, a large, expensive cost of electricity, then it suddenly becomes attractive to do this. So yeah, I mean, if, if you tell Saltain enough people, well, you can get 20% or 30% off your high, of your um, electricity cost, or your heating cost, basically, by doing this. Do you um, see it potentially being built into other technologies? I think I've asked this to, to Howard in the past, and he's always said this, it, the, the, like it doesn't really make sense economically, but. Obviously, with heaters, you know, obviously that makes sense on, on a thermodynamic level, right? Like, you're, you're producing heat anyway. It's, it's efficient to, to have it have be used for that dual purpose. Uh, but is it, would it make sense for some, some product that may be doing something else to also be mining Monero at the same time? Not particularly. I think the advantage would be you could design a, a water heater, for example, that mines Monero. You've got to be careful with this because the problem is I'd much rather see um, people use existing CPUs to heat. Now, you could design something like a water heater or something like that, but keep in mind the CPUs also are going to change in time. They're going to be replaced with faster CPUs. A water heater can last for like 20 years. Uh, your CPU from 20 years ago isn't going to do that great mining Monero. Right. So, so there's an obsolescence problem. There's also a danger that the company that makes the thing may try to control the thing, so that makes it difficult too. I think the more modular, the more, um, you need something where, I mean, you, someone could come up with a thermometer, for example, that you plug into a USB port and it tells you what the temperature of the area is and it's just a computer up and down uh, a, a piece of software depending on the uh, ambient temperature. You can do something like that. Uh, but just for like a like a general rebate on, on CPUs, so like, you know, your, your phone, effectively becomes cheaper if it's mining Monero at night when it's plugged in or is that just doesn't work out because you end up the tech the tech just gets burnt out well basically what you do is you pay for the phone and then you mine Monero and you get Monero for it so yeah you can subsidize the cost of your phone by doing that but it's not going to be something you do with the phone company who sold you the phone it's the same thing I'm going to go out and buy a computer well I could say okay fine I want to buy a, a brand new rig I'm going to spend some money on this well I'm going to time it for example I'm going to buy it in say August no, I'm just saying, do we ever get to the point where, it, you know, a phone is, is a smartphone's mining Monero during its, its not usable hours, its off-peak hours, 
and like the phone, the hardware is getting subsidized through its alternative use for mining Monero when it's not being used for other purposes. Well, absolutely. Uh, and that's the whole point. A phone can be, a computer can be, any, any device, because basically you're going to get some value out of mining in that situation. So, yes, you could buy a phone and have it mined. But I'm saying, do you see a marketplace developing there and that becoming... Well, not a marketplace. I see in a sense that you can buy a phone and do this. I don't know how you would integrate that into the price of the phone. That's why it starts getting more complicated. And this is what I'm saying. I think this is something that the individual can do. They can then take advantage of it. I don't know if I want to have a, situ- a marketplace where you try to sell that as a feature. Yeah, I mean, you could try, but I mean, that gets complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else from the talk that you want to bring up? Uh, well, the only other thing is what I said is that uh, uh, this, this concept does change some of the dynamics when you compare, say, the uh, 51% attack and the Big Bang attack, because the Big Bang attack is only uh, is based on the price of Monero. And the 51% attack, now you've raised the threshold to the um, uh, attacker by this environmental eco-mining approach. So the spread between the two is going to narrow. Interesting. Did you also talk about e-waste as well? Well, e-waste is part of the problem. I mean, with with an ASIC, you have much more e-waste. I didn't mention that. I kind of had a little joke about using, uh, don't use an old... Uh, obsolete Bitcoin uh, ASIC as a boat anchor because you might trigger a boating accident and lose your Monero. <laughs> so that's your shirt there. You, know, you see that you have a, a, an ASIC, a, a Bitcoin ASIC anchoring the boat. That's why it's sinking. <laughs> and you should use a proper anchor. All right, Francisco, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Yeah, thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode. We release new episodes every week. You can find and subscribe to our show on YouTube, Odyssey, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Go to MoneroTalk.live to subscribe for a full list of places where you can watch and listen. If you want to interact with us, guests, or other podcast listeners, you can follow us on Twitter. And please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps people find the show, and we are always happy to read them. So thanks so much, and we look forward to being back next week.